Ayo, it's podcast time. <laughs> Let's do it. I think, man, I, I think we're on, man. We're we are, we're live. Oh. We're, we're live and direct. All um, right, I'm in it. We are back with another uh, edition of Corner of the Circle. I have with me a jack of all trades, uh, a renaissance man, um, a lover, a fighter, a competitor. Uh, there's not a lot of people you can say that, you know what, man, I think Nathan's done that. No, I think he's done that. I think he's done that. He's one of the few people that he's like, dude, I think he's done that. Um, a lot of pup people talk about doing it, but not a lot of people do it. Um, this is one of the few people that I've met in my uh, my short few years on this earth that actually has done Damn near more things than I have. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever done that. It's, um, a, it's a it's a weird facet of it's a mixture of uh, ADD and just, you know, life circumstances. <laughs> so. so we have with us Mr. Nathan Lowe. My What's friend, up? I am super, super, super excited to have you on. Um, it's been a while. I saw you. What was the last time? It was uh, the Arnold, was it? bro. Oh, uh, yeah. It was the Arnold. The Arnold. Ugh, yeah, I play. I like the Arnold man, but the bathrooms freak me out. There's always like a brown puddle under the urinals because all yep. the dudes they're bronzing. Yeah, man. I I, will, to home. I never never use the public bathrooms at the Arnold's. No. Really, you had live, man. You got to take risks. Let me tell you, you when, I, when I'm telling you straight, man to man, I am Captain Hold, Captain Hold it when it comes to really, the dude. I will not use an Arnold bathroom. You could. Not I like using. I like using a public bathroom. I don't mind it. I. I it's you're you're taking a step into that world, you know. It, I will say oh, it's, it's it's good, man. It's I, you know what? Let's turn it into a meditative practice. You've got to be. Comfortable I, you, comfortable. I don't know that I. I'm, I'm, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, LS man. Well, then I well I there's no way the Arnold is one of those things. I would rather use and 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 I I'm, I'm, I will go on record saying this. I would rather use a public bathroom in the middle of Tokyo, Japan, than use the. The public bathroom at the Arnold. There's no that's way. Gonna be, that's going to be the new, like, uh, like woke meditation flex is, like, bragging about being able to get your 30 minutes of transcendental meditation in, in like, a public bathroom. Whew, I can't. You know what? You can start it. That's your trend. That's going to be on you. Uh, that's gonna that be- actually might be funny just to officially <laughs> install. Dude, so what's been that. up, man? What's been up with you these days? Yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I'm uh been moving. I, I just moved uh again to a new place here. This is why I'm a little sparse. But uh I'm in Los Angeles now. I've been I've been in Los Angeles since uh July, but now I'm okay. in a, a, a better space. Kind of now I've gotten my my talents in and I feel like I can, you know, that's start, awesome, start man. Like so, yeah. Um how long have you been in LA like total? Uh, since July, so I moved oh, down. So you've been in LA quarantine. for a little bit, but it, yeah. so were, were you up in uh, you were in NorCal before that, or yeah, yeah. I was in uh, I was in San Francisco for the last three years. Yeah, Man. San Fran for three years. Uh, went there right after uh, college sports, so I went went out there. I was with the Cal Strength guys for two years. Right. Yeah, and then uh, Star Kelly started them out after that for the following two out there. Those guys at uh, mobility wide now the ready state so okay so for those for those of, of of the number that don't know uh uninitiated crossfit type people hi <laughs> okay guys um so prior to all of 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 the strength sports and the crossfit and all that stuff um you're a top tier athlete d1 athlete 
Uh, yeah. It yeah. feels like a long time ago now. Like I'll see, like Instagram will show you like old photos. Yeah. I'm like Jesus Christ, that was a big, that was a big person, and I'm not that anymore. So I'm like, um, I'm as small as I've ever been. I'm still like 245 though. That's uh, small. That's yeah. small. Now I threw hammer. That was uh, I was a national team in in high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was uh, I was a geek. I was a real like a, a nerdy geeky theater kid. <laughs> Like I was in musicals, I did all that. I loved it. Like same, you know, same. Those were the homies. Like they were always the ones I wanted to hang out with for some reason. And I was, a, I was a weird one. I tell you this, man. For those, for those kids that weren't a drama geek, or for those kids that that didn't understand that side. My favorite time of the year, at least for for me, uh, coming up in, in high school was. You know, when it's time for one act play. I mean, and so here in 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 Texas, you know, we have like the big one act competitions. You know, and so my high school was, you know, we were pretty well known for having a very good theater program. We had a very good well, theater program. I, I noticed that the theater kids and the those those types of of kids they they grew up a lot faster. Yes. So when you were popular in high school, if you were popular in high school, it's like in your hundred percent living in the moment. You are just driven Absolutely. by immediate needs. That girl's hot. I bet we could make out. For theater kids, so yeah, a lot of the times, like band kids too, like that wasn't an option. Nope. So then you have like fifteen-year-old girls that are already like listening to the Smiths and shit. And, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and it's like come time for a change. You're like, what's that? And she's like, oh, you don't know about this all. Like, not that I'm a proponent of the Smiths by any means, but. Uh, you see what I mean? Girls oh, like yeah. James you you have them that walk around listen to the Smiths, Morrissey. Yeah, like uh, The Cure. And they're like, the Cure. Get it. Yeah, man. Get it. Yeah, I mean. And, and, so they were know, just was, more fun. Yeah, and they, were, they were a lot of fun. And, of course, it, it was like you would have to live a completely different life, you know, when you went over to the athlete side. You know, well, and. I, yeah. And, so you know, and, party, and, yeah. and there's no way you were ever going to go to a party and have both sides in the same space. Like, hey, guys, I'll talk to you in a minute. Go over, you know, kick with my drama kids. Or, hey, I'll talk to you in a little bit. Go over, kick with the choir kids. Hey, yeah. I'll talk to you in a minute. Go with athletes. I mean, so, like, you learn you learn early to be a social butterfly, man. Um, that was kind of so, me, yeah. I like Yeah, so, like so, so you were a theater kid. Um, yeah, so what then, was what was your um, – I'm trying to think because um, everyone has their what, favorite. Where was the shift? Their, their oh, favorite. my favorite. Yeah, what was, the, what was the, favorite, the favorite play that you did? Oh, play that I did. Okay, I thought you were gonna ask. Like, it's like, what's your favorite musical? Uh, oh, that that could be number two. <laughs> well, that was a weird one actually. But uh, the play I did. Let's see, I did. There was a like the my favorite one we did was this really weird iteration of uh, Hamlet and Macbeth. It was called Dogs Hamlet Cahoots Macbeth. It was like this really weird, dry British, like just nonsense play. And it's just like no one. It was one of the ones where it's just like we were just goofing off with it and just like going crazy. We're like no one got it. It was fine. But uh, you, know, you got it. You guys got it. it and that's perfect. all that matters. Yeah. It, and it was just a little. It was like an inside joke. But the big ones we did like Annie. We did the Miracle Worker. All that. Oh, jazz. nice, nice. But I was fully in. But my family has always been very athletic. So like my dad was mm-hmm. a Mississippi State baseball player. Right. Uh, calls World Series team. All that shit. My uh, my uh, not shit. Very proud of him. It was really, really <laughs> impressive. I'd admit, I'm sorry. Sometimes it just comes out. I, you hang around comics for long enough, it's like I just feel like my my mouth is just it's horrible now. But you know, what uh, I mean? it is what it is. It is. It, it is. is. But it something is. like my grandma follows me on Instagram. You understand? Oh. <laughs> oh. But 
like cousin played basketball for Ole Miss, and then my sister was the athlete. So like I felt right. comfortable hanging back doing that. And then she had all these big offers. And then you know senior year, last game of her season, she tears her ACL. Offers go away. No way. Yeah. So it, I I was a I was a geeky kid. I was already probably in my head way too much already, and I probably right. wasn't even what was happening. But in my right. head, I like I thought the family looked at me like, okay, now. You gotta, you gotta do something. You gotta get, get out there. Yeah. So I, I went around to all the event, like the little sports and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. didn't like baseball. Uh, and I was actually like, having a really bad practice. Like I didn't get it. You know, right. like I wasn't like they were doing like ground practice in this pavilion or something. And some kid, some douchey kid, just goes like, "You should go out for the track team. Everybody makes it." Uh, so I did, and it worked out pretty good. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So you ended up uh, on Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, so I made a national team in high school. I was second in the nation in the hammer throw coming out of high school. I basically jumped full feet in, which is just something I do when I find a thing I like. I just Absolutely. obsess. So I went out, I gained like 75 pounds in like a year and a half. It was just six oh hours of training a day, three in the weight room, three throwing. <laughs> it just got massive. And then, and then it's just, yeah, all you can eat barbecue every night after training. So it just like, yeah, I got up to like 275. Oh my gosh! I was at Illinois for uh, University of Illinois for two years, right. and I transferred uh, down to Ole Miss. Uh, and then I was competing. That I realized, just you know, there's no money in professional hammer throw because no, no. one knows what it. No one knows what it is. It's no. fine. It's cool, but it's a real danger in attaching your identity to what you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, and attaching your identity to your task. So like any, there's infinite rabbit holes all over. It's just something I noticed. Yeah. My favorite things about us as humans that there's anything you can think of, anything you just look at on the street, like bottle caps, whatever records, someone has dedicated their whole life. <laughs> yes. To just that. Like there's a dude out there. He's like, you know what? Mustard seeds. And that's like his whole, he's got books on it. So there's like infinite things to nerd out on. Oh yeah. And I always just found myself doing it. So I nerded out on that. And then when I transferred to Old Miss, mm-hmm. uh, the coach that recruited me, a uh, really high-level coach, uh, got fired literally the day after. Uh, it was a pretty messed up story. And pr- like the day after I got signed, he got fired. And then uh, by the head coach, who was just a maniacal dude who ended up yeah. getting investigated by the NCAA for like stealing scholarship money from athletes and stuff of like course. that. It was real, real shady shit. And I was in a position where I didn't have uh, the coaching staff that was necessary for, for like an SEC program. Right. Uh, but it's amazing now, like the program, new coaches, fantastic. Like my, yeah. the new that they brought in after that, but there was a span for like six months where I was just kind of treading water and I decided to just go full nerd on that side. So we used Olympic weightlifting as a, as a supplement for our training right. all throughout all, all the shit. I, I guess I did like 12 years of hammer throw, uh, so that, I mean, even when I was in high school, so I was, you know, 15, 16, and I had an Olympic barbell in my hands, I was doing snatches and clean and jerks. So you already had a really good base. Right. And so you're already nerding out on the technique. And when I nerd out on one thing, I nerd out on everything. So it's Absolutely. like these old Russian training volumes from like Yuri Sadiq and Litvinov and these guys talking about doing closed grip snatches and all the sets and reps for Olympic oh. lifting workouts. So I was just in it. I was in yeah. it. And then I started a company my junior year of college while that was going on uh, called Sweat Equity Performance, where I just wanted to talk to just the smartest people in the room. 
Right. And so it was, uh, we did a cross country road trip from Atlanta to Los Angeles and stopped at these, you know, Olympic training centers, oh, NFL combine centers, and just tapped these guys' minds. And then I met Dave Spitz out in, uh, out of California strength. So I, I'd, I'd followed, uh, I'd followed them for right. a long time because I was training in college. So I followed the YouTube page and stuff. And it was cool that they made it like, it almost felt like a reality show every week. Yeah. Like just the way that they followed the, the lifters and the way that they still disseminate like really good information. They like, put out like all, they, they always training. put out some of the best content and they just had right. some just dogs, man. Like, yeah. And I was, you know, the, I was never a big I mean uh, Olympic lifter, obviously, but you know, I mean, when you know strength sports, I mean, you know, it's like you can't at least in the states, you can't go too far without you recognizing California strength. Like that's just you know what I mean? And you know, like they'll shoot weird weird enough when I really started really paying attention to strength sports. Um you know, toward the end of, of the, the pro football stuff and at the beginning of the powerlifting stuff, you know, my, you know, I had a couple mentors, they would always mention Gail Hatch, mm-hmm. Cal Strength. And yeah. if you just want to get a good base, you know, Gail dude, Hatch, Hatch method, Hatch was the shit, dude. Dude. And, you know, and it's weird because people sleep, they, they sleep on, you know, a lot of stuff that Hatch did. They sleep on, I mean, don't, there's a lot of, it's just like, I know people don't like Louisiana. I don't, <laughs> it's just you know if it were anywhere else it would have yeah. based out of texas and we we're based They're out just of like oh these guys they don't get it they put uh, they wrestling why, they got wrestling alligators as a rest yeah. set what the fuck is that what is that about <laughs> so yeah man i i remember you know vividly i'm like right now hey you know what you need to look look you know start strength look over gail hatch look at the cow strength guys um yeah if you're really so trying I, to you know, dive into the stuff like these are three awesome resources that, you know, that, that, that can help you out. So I, you know, I, I looked in a lot of that stuff, man, you know, um, because I one, I just. You, 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 you learn different things, obviously, from from, from different parts of, of strength sports. But the thing you learn about Olympic lifting is, you know, you can go hard, you can go hard, you can go hard. But at some point, there's a high level of recovery that happens that you don't necessarily see. Right. But that's the reason why these guys can keep going every single day. And so for me, I try to master the art of, even now when I program for my athletes, I'm really trying to master the art of programming around the recovery rather yeah. than just hammer, 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 hammer. Well, so, these guys, the, that was the biggest difference with the Cal Strength through. So like they, they did post up for like the casual Olympic lifter. But mm-hmm. when you get in there and you're on the team, so he invited me out to be on the team right uh after college and i so threading vein through all this has been comedy so like when i grew up and i was doing the theater stuff my my parents gave me this dvd set of the night at the improv with like all the greats oh man uh, rob williams Stephen Pryor, all that stuff so i immediately like 11 or 12 was just obsessed to get into that theater i was in like the north atlanta school of the arts that theater program my audition to get in was a bill cosby bit It, it was it was a there's a bit from Bill Cosby himself uh, where he was just talking about going to the dentist or something. It was just all yeah. this crazy act out stuff. I mean, and you know, he's a monster, obviously, but I didn't know. So no, you didn't. Was, no one it knew. Was really funny. It was funny at the time. Didn't know that he was just a real like a, a demon. He was <laughs> yes. There was but a I point time. Gonna, there was a, there was a point in my time where I was you know I was. <laughs> Listening to R. Kelly in the background as I watch the Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby special. Like I'm, just yeah. in the of, I'm in the middle of a demon sandwich here, ladies and gentlemen. So, Dude. like, like I just, you know, but at the time you don't know, you know, it's just like, you know what? 
That's some damn good music, and this guy's yeah. making me laugh. I'm gonna roll with that. So yeah, I mean, yeah. there was always you know, something I was obsessed with, and then it it when it came time like in college, I was a broadcast journalism major. So like, oh, awesome. always just being very curious. And then I went to journalism school. I was like, this is this seems like a good you know to get a degree. Yeah. Seems like a good thing to do. Right. The higher up I got in the journalism program, the more nasty I realized it was. Mm. And like like how the news systems actually work now it's not so much about actually informing people it's about directing people yes yeah and, yes and that's uh that's a really messed up thing especially for people that we're supposed to trust so i i got to the end of college and now you know hammer's ending you can't you have to win like two world championships a year and just hate your life to barely scrape like 80k as a professor. right so then you know, Cal Strings right there, you know, it's like opportunity, sponsorship, stuff like that. I already know how to do it. Um, and I get to continue living the the dream of, of just training full time, which is like, you know, at surface, like that sounds great. But then you realize you're six hours every day. Every day. And then the rest of your day is about recovery. And it's about, yeah. Essentially, you're a slave to your craft. True, but it can get dark if you're not fully invested. If you're not fully in love, now you're just your time not in the training hall is spent on your phone looking at stuff from the training hall. Mm-hmm. As what we talked about earlier, any time that you find someone who has invested their life into a rabbit hole, you come across the danger of letting that be your identity. Absolutely, and those yeah. guys get they get real combative, and they yeah. when you do anything to poo poo their sensibilities of what they feel like training day should be like whatever it's right. a whole it feels like they're you're attacking them and it's yeah. not true well it's it gets re- it gets really dark really fast because yeah. i mean all all of one's energies are pointed toward one specific thing so yeah. if your energies and your passion are pointed toward one thing then clearly your emotions are going to be wrapped around that as well so i mean one can't help but feel attacked you know even if that's not the intention um yeah. so i want to what i want to dig into you know is is that you know, I want to dig into the comedy a little bit more because sure. that's that's something that I I chase for. I want to say all of three. I think I just I did three. One was more. I just kind of stood up and talked, but I actually oh, made three times. I'm in my head like three years. Three no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm talking three three open mics which i should say oh, two, okay, okay. two attempted two attempted uh comedy comedy open mics and one where i just kind of went up and talked um every, <laughs> everyone thinks they're funny till they realize they're oh, that not first time that, that uh, first that, that what, what was that on you and the whole all people are looking at you like oh like baby birds and you're like yes. oh i don't have bread for you yeah like you know like what was <laughs> what was that first time like stepping on stage well, oh, I was like? lucky. I was lucky because I had a lot of prep time. So I told you, it's like I've been obsessed with stand-up right. since I was 11. So right. from that point forward, every comedy special that's come out, whether it was dog shit or whether it was gospel, I saw it. Like, so you're saying whether like it was Dane Cook or Bill yeah, Cosby? Be careful. You'd be careful, sir. First of all. Because Dane Cook was, a for his time period. I will tell you right the now. The systems that he did and what he did with MySpace and his style of comedy. Without a doubt. Listen, so there's I, a lot of, like there's a lot of misconception around this, and I actually want to clear it up. There's a couple, there's a lot of different types of comedians. Right. And energy comedians get a hard, they get a hard rep because we see them where? We see them on a screen. So like 
uh, I keep talking about disgraced comics today, but uh, Chris D'Elia is one of these guys. So it's like, you see him on Netflix and you're like, that's dog shit. Like, that's just really trash. But I love walks it. Out, like, his first Netflix special, I think he did it like a I look like joke. Because it's like, oh, look, 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 yeah. look, look, look. Yeah. And, and but when you see it live in a room, you realize that it's an infectious thing that they're doing. It's low-level hypnotism. And it's a skill all on its own. Right. Because you cannot deny that he killed in those rooms. Like, Absolutely. You cannot deny he killed at the comedy store where it's like it's supposed to happen. He killed there. He went Absolutely. on the road, he killed there. He had a fan base. He killed there. There's a reason why he has a special. Same thing with Dane Cook. Yeah. So it's like he would mix it like you know all the crazy physical stuff with just right. weird words that he would pull in. But I mean there was there was craft there. And it Absolutely. is funny. It is funny and it stands up. But because he's an energy type guy, people and especially like comedy nerds or whatever They'll be like, oh, well, he's not enlightened and he isn't, you know, he's not, you know, watching the greats and right. Well, my thing, like, my, no, my, he's doing his job. My beef with Dane Cook has always been it didn't age well. And that's, I don't yeah, mean look at, look at who people say are the greats. Like, look at Lenny Bruce Bits and tell me that ages well. Comedy right. ages out. Comedy's yeah. a well, fluid thing. Like, there's a few things that stand the test of time, like Pryor and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, next girl you have... Wait, are you in a relationship? Of course. Okay. I, what do you mean, of course? I don't know. Were you Look last time? I get Look it. At Look at me. I'm single. Oh. I, I mean, I, was, I would assume a strapping young fellow like yourself would be in a uh, relationship. No, dude. In Los Angeles? No, I just got here. Give me some time. I'm still... Wait, I'm what did Dane, Dane Cook call it a relationship? Listen, relationship? Dude. Someone shit on the coats? Yeah, dude, I... I will say this because I'm not knocking Dane Cook. I'm just – I think I'm mad because he didn't last longer. And it's not that you're supposed to last – Well, you know why he didn't last longer, right? Yeah. He did two movies, and then his brother, who was his manager, stole all of his money. All of his money. Like, I and just... his dude got wrecked. So, I mean, it's like you. some people like to write comedy from a dark place. And yeah. That, that's not his style of comedy. No, you saw, I, like, yeah. in his last special, they tried to talk about, like, his dad dying and stuff like that. And it's like, that one hurt. He's an, emo- he's an emotional guy. And you yeah. can't, there's people who can take something that's traumatic that happened to them and they can, they can frame it in a way that is really just kind of dismissive. Yeah. And it works. But when you feel that power, it's like people are in the room to laugh. Right. And, and, you know, you can have your, if you're going to, you know, give a nice message, you know, just do a TED talk. Just like do, do you know, write a <laughs> write yeah, a blog, do something like that's not what people pay tickets yeah. for. Yeah. I, so I really I always I always like to this day I was always so angry. And the thing is like it's I think when you're a comedy fan, when you're like a, a super comedy fan, I think you start I mean, and I guess you should because you start having these personal attachments to your favorite comedians. And I mean, you see them when they start. You know, especially if like if, if if you've been fortunate enough to see them like when they're you know doing the you know the, the small shitty clubs. Now, hey, listen, you let it evolve. Let it evolve. It's been a long week. When you when you when you see them start and, and you follow them, and you follow them, it becomes personal. And you really want to see them succeed. And when you see them start to succeed, like this is awesome. It's not that he's successful, it's we're successful. Right. And, and then no, it's all, not like there's not this famine, yeah. Yeah, and then when and then all of a sudden when you don't see him, like I, I think that was my biggest thing with Dane Cook was that I couldn't see him anymore. The and of course, comes to the defense of the of the, the energy comic because yeah. there's, enough, there's enough haters in the comedy community 
like when oh, the absolutely. stuff happened to go like, oh Zach was trash anyway. I'm like, no, you're just happy no. you got in slot. Like, yeah, like, don't yeah, don't like there's no denying that, especially in the MySpace era, for a good four years. Yeah. Four, four and a half, maybe five years, Dane Cook carried. He carried comedy, man. And I will, I'll yeah. openly admit it because there weren't a lot of headliners. I mean, you were looking, there were a lot of headliners. Obviously, you had your mainstayers, but there wasn't a lot of people just, you know, knocking down the doors and, you know, willing, willing to, you know, murder, damn near murder people at Ticketmaster yeah. for their Dane Cook ticket, for their their tickets. Dane <laughs> Cook was selling out arenas, bro. Like, like yeah, legit arenas, man. He was like one of the arenas. first guys to do that little circle stage in the middle. Yeah. But the point I was trying to make is like, I came in, uh, Sorry, just got a little lost in. No, you're good. Off on a tangent, but it was. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so like I came in with foreknowledge, not just from nerding out on stand up, right? Like, just like when I'm like long travels, when I was I was on the road every weekend, right? From track because there's an indoor and an outdoor season, so right? During college, I was on trains every day. I was on planes at every. I just be soaking up conversations just with comedians, like on right. podcasts. So it's like feeling that way, and then also. The only thing I, I think was ever the constant with different sports that I've done, and I did sports after Olympic weightlifting as right. well. I, I competed with the Gracie team for jiu-jitsu at Open Walls right. last year and love nerding out on the sports. But the best aspects were always fucking around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, the jokes. Because it's like when people go through hard stuff together, it's like the military. Mm. It's like when people go through a really brutal environment, Galvanizing. They're hilarious. They're hilarious because it's your. This is how we connect as people. You do anything to break the tension to where you can still stay focused. So, like when I was in high school, I'm training with these insane Russians. I think I was just addicted to just being in weird, crazy scenarios. Right. Because the places I would find myself with these guys were always nuts. Oh yeah. Like weird, crazy thing. Russians are insane. Uh, So from that into the jujitsu world and these Gracie guys, these Brazilian dudes are incredible, phenomenal people, like highly evolved too. Just like, oh, yeah. it, like the way that they perceive the world, it, it, it's really, really beautiful. Finding like a high level jujitsu performer, like from the, the way that they attack and lust after life is really, really something. That's awesome. But it was like comedy was always the constant. So when I was, I was in San Francisco, um, over in the inner Richmond. So that's, I didn't know this at the time, but the place that I went up for stand up my first time mm-hmm. was next door to a place that didn't exist anywhere, but that was where, that was where Robin Williams started too. So he, was, awesome. he lived in that area, the tunnel over to, uh, yeah. so that was like his stomping grounds, but I didn't know that when I was living there. So I, I just liked the Presidio because it was in the city, but not of the city. So it was like this right. national park right at the end of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm from the mm-hmm. South. So I could still just like hear birds and trees and shit and it just made yeah. me happy but i i went out to this one spot just because i like to play pool there so while i was at university of illinois for those two years there was a probably one year span where i was paying rent with pool uh, just because i <laughs> i i found it and i was nerding out on it and i just like i kept going to pools and there was a mom don't pay attention to this part uh, there was a strip club 0.2 miles away from my apartment, my freshman year of college. And that's mm-hmm. a real tough thing for an 18 year old to deal with. And it was called the silver bullet, which is like in retrospect, not like that's what you used to kill monsters, right? That's not a right. good strip club name. Not a good sign. 
but they had a pool table in there where all these old pool hustler guys would just just play and i i learned from like those dudes when i got to sf there's this hole in the wall russian or uh, not russian irish pub mm-hmm. uh that had a pool table so i'd go there after work i'd be with kelly all day just running up hills with sandbags and talking to navy seals or whatever oh. and i just wanted to feel it's an amazing world like people right. who are in it full time like they're like i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna be in a red light sauna and then i'm gonna take my antioxidants yeah. and yeah. i'm gonna meditate and then i'm gonna go run a business and then i'm gonna you know make yeah. sure your desk is standing up and i got my stand-up desk here and it's like it's phenomenal if it, if it completely fulfills you but i got to the end of my days and i'm like i still kind of want to do some, just, just some some seedy shit right i'm <laughs> not that but like yeah, I get you. I want to like, I want to be just like an old Irish pub with these old iron worker guys talking and just drinking PBR and play it like, and just like, it fulfills. I think that pull that I had when you were, when I was in that training environment constantly yeah. with just real uh, blue collar guys. Like yeah. I, I worked construction when I was doing high school and right, stuff same, like same. I, I, you know, that was how you made money. I worked for an all American, a, a company called the All American concrete company i was the only american that worked there yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah I was i was the demo guy so i just literally i train and then i just go break cement and pour but it was like those guys i always really connected with because those guys always had the best stories and they were always oh clients. man i yeah there's uh, blue there's collar stories yeah. man there's something about it you know and so yeah. I'm, obviously you know and it's, it's that accent is like and i would have but i just didn't give a fuck and i went yeah. in there and i told him i'll blow her head right off and you're just like whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, i just asked i just asked if you wanted to go get a beer after this yeah like so yeah like i and so you had an opportunity obviously after training all that stuff was over with like you know there, there's that that want that desire that need to like unplug and right you know you know, so not necessarily remove yourself from the situation, but to to unplug and replug into a completely different community because that's what yeah. it is. It's 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 a different it's a different form of community, and you know you get a chance to run the table, Absolutely. make a make a few greenbacks in the in the in the in the process. And yeah. I mean, so, it was the move. So it's yeah. like when I was in when I was yeah in San Francisco, it was I was with the Gracies, so I was with the their team training once a week, and then rolling every morning and then doing Kelly stuff during the day and then at night uh, just playing pool and doing that. And then one night they had a, a stand-up night and I was always making the bar staff laugh and like these yeah. guys. So I was lucky. A lot of times when people like their first time they go up, they just like, they Google like open mic near me, yeah. I guess, or whatever. So I had always put it off. I always thought like I yeah. will start at some point, but I've been Same. writing and yeah, it's yeah. like, and, it found you. and then I was just pretty drunk already. And I was playing pool and I already knew everybody there. And then they said, like, you go up. And I did like 10 minutes and I was only supposed to do five. And just because I, I was an idiot and like the poor guy was nice enough to bring me up without even knowing who I was. <laughs> like, before, so I was like, he's funny. Bring him up. That fucker. Like, That's like, awesome. It's like, you don't understand like this guy right here. And then I, I started doing it. And then the second after it's the same thing that's happened. Like, I only started throwing hammer because someone told me I couldn't, or it was like when I like I went to the national team practice and I didn't take to the hammer technique because like the guy was explaining to speak English or whatever. And then I was so frustrated because he said, This guy'll never be a hammer thrower that I went home and I duct taped a 12 pound chop with my hands. 
and did turns in the garage until I got the technique because he wouldn't give me a hammer to take home with me. So I needed the weight in my hand. And Jeez. I did thousands of turns until I figured out it's like there's something like a switch that goes off in my brain when I get that that endorphin hit. I just have to. I have to. You're built different, yeah. my friend. You are built different. And that's, it's I a, mean, and that's, and that's what it's about. So I did that with jiu-jitsu. I did it with weight, Olympic weightlifting. So it was, yeah, national uh, hammer, national weightlifting. I went to open worlds for jiu-jitsu last year. I just have to be doing something or I go crazy. But oh, the yeah. second I got that, like that up on that, like for some reason, and I pulled out some stuff that I had like already kind of previously written and it just slaughtered. And that's was, so you were you are you already had him in the chamber ready to rock well just i just been thinking about know. forever but it was it was always never the right time where i was yeah. doing other stuff that interested me and i was like yeah but i i do this and i'm training at 4 a.m in the morning and it wouldn't make sense to go do that second i just shut up and did it i realized that it was kind of the amalgamation of all of it so with the right. journalism being able to observe and just mm-hmm. super curious like it's always been What's driven me from one thing to another when i see a weird rabbit hole i go oh i need to know everything yeah. about that and then that combined with the the work ethic from the sports world and the just like all i ever want to do is make jokes then anyway and right. now a plethora of just incredible stories from the people that i've been lucky enough to meet traveling around and doing all of this Absolutely. it just it all shifted so the second i got that first hit I'm, I mean, I'm still trying to juggle everything. I'm juggling yeah. Kelly stuff. Amazing, amazing work that they do over there. Right. I am pa- like, I'm passionate about that side still. Right. I was juggling that and trying to be nationally competitive in jujitsu. And then but the second I went up on stage, I was out every night. Yes. I went, I got in with a, a group of comics there when I got linked in with the comic community proper. Yeah. Kind of, the kind of rule was that the only club in the city that was worth doing stuff at is, uh, you know, the punchline. Right. So everyone would go there every Sunday. And so the guy who runs it, this guy named Ron Vi, I never got to know him very well. Uh, I hear he's a great dude, but I just, I showed up. I would just been doing the mics around my area uh, for like, a month but i was going up two three times a night just finding stuff around and right. all of the comics would say like you gotta go to the punchline on sunday right so all the comedians in san francisco would go to the spot the punchline and then i guess it was some kind of kiss the ring system mm-hmm. which i'm used to from coaches so i'm used to like coaches with this weird kind of soup nazi mentality yeah. like if it's not my way fuck you right but when i got there they said yeah you have to come every sunday and just watch for six months before Ron will even consider putting you up. And at the time, in retrospect now, like, you know, almost four years later, of course it makes sense right, to do that. Because if you're just starting out, like you don't have material, people paid money to go there that night. Pay your dues, bud, yeah. Like people paid money and they're like, paying the dues is important. But at the time I was so in it and i had the the entrepreneurial side from like the sports world and stuff right. all happening to me simultaneously when i went there some kid just some you know newcomer rocky kid because at the beginning before the doors open, all the comics just hang out outside and smoke cigarettes because they're degenerates right but like ron would come up and everybody they don't it's not like you sign or anything you just have to yeah. go six months and just hope that he sees you right 
And so I'm already a little weirded out. And then this kid comes up and makes some kind of offhanded comment. Like, oh, it's bullshit. Like six months. Like, what do I have to do? Suck a dick or something? And Ron's gay. And he just said, that's another six months. Oh, no. Yeah. So the second that hit my ear, I was just like, "Mm, I'm just going to do my own thing. Right. So I started seeing these, like, uh, shows in the city and then getting a little merry band of like and pages together and there were nights uh was it? sam mcgavern uh billy uh oh fuck yeah ernest evangelista like a lot of those guys we just load up in a in a van like a sprinter van and we'd hit seven seven a night wow. so like that first year and i would go back home to atlanta and i'd be doing clubs in uh atlanta so it's right. like the club those rooms like doing those two different places simultaneously was crazy because Atlanta comedy is it's black comedy. It's black like com- it's, it's what it is. It is and, what it is. Yeah, and, and black comedy is it's some of the best writing in the world. But the thing is, it is it, it, you you can't. It's yes, every, absolutely. It's every you're not going to be able to go up there and tell and just read your diary. You got to fire the clip if you are not funny right away. And absolutely you, you will get especially like i was the only white guy in those clubs yes so i'd go up and it's like i audibly one time i, I went there i hate doing places when where they serve food but i literally i stepped up on the stage and i heard i heard the fork clink and i heard someone go the fuck like, it just didn't make sense yes yes yeah. so i learned this, this, this style, yeah the style of writing i mean fortunately you got sports teams all the time, like being on a track team, not a lot of white dudes. No, you're gonna be one uh, of the no. only one of the oh yeah. Yeah, you gotta, like, yeah, you gotta have like, I grew up I grew up in you know Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. You know, mom was a competitive like funk and disco dancer back in the way. So I grew up with that sister yeah. competitive basketball in Atlanta. That was just like it made sense. So I started with that style of comedy when I brought it to San Francisco. Right. It was like so it was woke. Yeah, like people got it. Like people were smart. Like it was like good crowd, and I had and I would just load these dudes up for like two years, and we just hit. And then when we start doing shows, we broadcast them with each other. So like I do a show at this hour, you do the show the next hour, so everybody can do each other's, and then we go do mics after until four in the morning. That's awesome, man. So, so you I'm, just yeah, just honing that craft over well, and over, and, yeah. And and San Francisco is a small enough city to where you can do that, and and hanging out with comedians is one of the best gifts in a world like they're my favorite people they're insane they're right. absolute psychopaths but the stories that you get the just the community of hanging with them like and people like guys who have dedicated their life especially in the open mic see like the first couple of years you're like oh it can get dark quick right. to see the kind of personalities that it that it can draw but if you do it and you and you write a ton and you and you just I don't know. I don't want to. Everyone does it different. Right. But I loved it. And I got to the point where like three years in, uh, while still like juggling these things, I basically got to October of last, not last, not 2020, but 2019. Right. Uh, I was so upset and stuff like this. And and, and the Starrettes, they understood and like all that. And just where my life was going. Right. And I just started doing comedy full time uh, in like oh, booking man. shows and doing that uh, all around San Francisco. But at the same time, not posting anything about because all of my 
was like my not that I hate when people like my following. Yeah. Like they're all sports people. So it's like right. CrossFit people, people I've met at events, like the amazing people in all these weird sports worlds. It just didn't make sense to advertise right. it. But also I'm I since I've been studying like comedy for so long, I'm not like I'm one of those that, oh the craft is the joke, but still, I mean it is yeah. hard. But I knew that I didn't want stuff out there that it wasn't done yet. And I knew from hearing comedians talk and from hearing like thousands of hours of people talking about it, comedians talking about other comedians, it's like one of the big dangers is putting your shit out early when you're not good. Yeah, you man. Don't know, you don't understand the facets of like, un- like working a room and being able to move your act around depending on what's going on. Right. Crowd work and not having expectations and figuring out just how to be comfortable. And have fun so i was lucky starting out because i'd already been doing podcasts forever i would already was doing like day-long seminars for olympic weightlifting right so the presentation side of it was never a big deal me feeling comfortable talking in front of an audience was not a deal but it just became about the writing and making sure that it's as good as it could be and so so yeah. like my i guess i mean it's there's so many i have so many questions because part of me is like man i wish i could have just kept doing it but there comes a time when you realize, like, you know what? There's a reason this is an art form, and there's a reason why there's there's a lot of people that attempt the art form, and and very few of those lot that perfect the art form. Um, well, a lot yeah, of people try. An there's an interesting thing. Like, I thought about that too, because like when I told my family, like, I'm this is I'm doing the comedy. <laughs> like, it was mixed. Like, they're very supportive. Like, my family's super cool. There's right. a time when they're like. The same kind of questions like any good parent will say, like, like, well, you know, only like the top 0.01%, you know, make oh, yeah. the interesting fact about that is like, because they, they're thinking about it. And a lot of people think about it when you just say that, because it is a true statistic. They think mm-hmm. about it like the NFL or like the NBA or professional sports. Here's the thing about comedians. We don't all have an NBA NFL workout. <laughs> so the playing field's different. So like Tim Ferriss talked about this a lot too. Is like when he was cold calling these whatever mm-hmm. celebrity people and getting emails, he would say people assume that that 0.001% isn't accessible. So then the lane's actually pretty wide open. Yeah. Because everyone's assuming that it's impossible this hard thing to do. So that if you go in and not expect things don't clout chase yeah make it about the comedy and you're only there for the comedy and like so my first three years i wasn't asking anybody to be on anything i wasn't doing i was just so happy to be getting time in absolutely that's so it gets to it gets to where if you come at it honest comics get you they get you. They, the only people that get smoked out are like actors that just want to pretend to be comedians or people mm. that think that like it's some kind of clout chase thing. Yeah. Like I want to talk to this guy because it's like, no, you want to talk to him because we're, we're, I like hanging out with you. Yeah. We're fun. Like it's funny. Like it's just, it, it just feels so pure because it's really just a meritocracy. It's really That's just, awesome, can you get asses in seats? Do you do your job? Do you connect with people? Are you comfortable? And there's a big, yeah. Like I, I sometimes I'll hear because I just need to work on like my stage presence. Like no, you just need to be comfortable. Absolutely. Because there's plenty of comedians who are successful who are uncomfortable, but they're comfortable being themselves on stage. 
Okay, well, here's a here's a question, and I, I always want to know this. Um, and honestly, I almost reached out to you. Oh man, oh god, it it had to have been. It had to have been like uh, six six seven months ago. Um, I was I was watching. I don't even know which comedian it was. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Jim Gaffigan, and. Okay. And I'm just watching him, watching his delivery, just watching him do it. I mean, and, and no, if you can, true, you can, you can step, you can, you could never step out on the stage and be a huge comedian, a, a comedy fan, and and really see how you know just how how the, the, these guys are just masterful with their art. But I'm what? sitting there and I'm, and yeah, I'm watching right. Gaffigan, and I'm just like, this dude is, he is killing it. He is absolutely yeah. killing it. And I mean, I don't, I, I can't really remember even what the. What he was actually talking about, I just remember just being in awe of his. Just- so that's the state. That's the symptom of it because, like, when it's done purely, like when someone kills so hard, so hard, it's seamless. Live, especially like any kind of live thing. Yes. What it does is it's a low level hypnosis. So there's yes. a moment when you when you're killing with a crowd, and it's like I hate when like a young can be like I'm only I'm four years in, but saying that like. You killed like it's it. There's been a few instances where it was very true, and yeah. it, and it feels weird. They you have you have gotten this entire group of people to think the way you think. Yes, for a certain amount of a lot of time, and it's they're caught with every little like any emotions that you feel on your face. It's punctuation yeah. marks. It's almost like they're feeling even the subcontext yeah. of what you're saying, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's uh, it's really, really heroin, and <laughs> that's that. Yes, that's what. That's why. I guess that was my question. When yeah. you're killing it like that, because clearly he was killing it, and I can't even tell you what he was talking about. I just remember everything he said. I was in stitches, like yeah. the way he walked, the way he talked, his facial expression, the way he. I remember he, he's walking. I remember he was watching walking stage right, and. He stopped, paused, did one of these, and just went stage left. And I don't know, I don't know what he said. I don't think he said anything at all. I just remember I almost threw up. I was laughing so hard. I, well, I, that's, I, the, I got, that's the weird thing when you're like you you're laughing so hard you don't even know what you can do. Oh and you my get in the gosh, car, dude! Get in the car and you're like he was amazing. What did he say? I I've <laughs> listened to Gaffigan so many times. Over the years, and it you know, and it it was like some it was like some of his it wasn't like recent stuff that he did. But, but when I just, you think I, about yeah, that's I remember I remember I watched it, and I'm you know I'm scrolling through IG, and you had posted something about you being on stage, and I just wanted like I remember I wanted to ask like, dude, what is that like? And I mean, because comedians, you, I've 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 heard it so many times, I've read it so many times, like it's There's, you know it's oh. it's addicting, you, you know. So it's you, weird. So the first couple years and this is why most most comedians drop out or most fall off and most don't make it because the first year or two years unless you have crazy circumstances like there's obviously things like even if you are very funny it is going to be time just to meet the other comics because for the most part the mics that you go to which is really the only entry level way to get a tape so like if you want to book a show and it's someone that you don't know, like it's not your comedian friend. Right. They need you to send a tape and you have to be in front of an audience. So that's a hard thing for people when they're right. So you go to all these open mics so that you can connect with comedians and you can work out your material in front of them. 
but that's a very different kind of crowd. Those open mic crowds, it's full of comics who are just like you, and they're in there. They're probably thinking about their set yep. or, their, or their judge years, and a lot of people drop off because they don't get the input that they need from the crowd to be able to fix their shit. Right. So, like, the big thing that I did about, I noticed that in San Francisco, and I noticed that because of the way the punchline was set up, it was, it was, it was, it just didn't make sense because, right. The, the comedians were all in the back, but the comedians that were punched at the punchline, they all just hung out with each other. And there wasn't really, it's like the mics went on in the city, right. and the shows were separate. And it was, there wasn't a lot of opportunity for younger comedians to commune with experienced ones and, and share knowledge, right. which, was, which is so huge when you're skill building. So like when you're like, just thinking about it from the perspective of an athlete, like when you... Like I've been lucky, so, so lucky. The only reason that I had any modicum of success in throwing, lifting, jiu-jitsu, any of that is because I just happened to fall face first in front of the prophet. Right. Like I'm like Olympic lifting, I was with John Coffey, like one of the best Olympic weightlifting coaches in the nation, been to Cal Strength, and then having a phenomenal, like my judge throwing deep, all of these amazing throws mentors that I've had through. I didn't feel that. In San Francisco, like, I felt like I was doing all these mics, but I was like, oh, these guys are just doing what I'm doing. Right. And it was fun because it's still people that are, you know, open micers, like, we're still having a great time. But I'm like, I need to be with comics. Right. And I started these shows where I would run a legit show for, like, A-level comedians upstairs. And then 30 minutes into that show, I'd start a mic downstairs. So then there's, then there's traffic. So it's like the like then the older like comedian guys they come down and they're fucking around they're actually hanging with micers in a way that they don't feel like they're better than or right just a way to where we can hang out and commute and actually build a community where where people who've been in the game for a long time can help those uh, that are are funny but still need to learn the little things like the little aspects of of controlling a room aspects of like. Just being able to look at the world and being able to talk to comedians makes your life so much easier because these are all people that are trying to find the absurd. Like they're that's trying to find that's so awesome. we're telling stories. It's like just the the kind of input that you can get from your friends and the kind of input that you can get from people around you is always going to be so bizarre. <laughs> and that in and of itself gets your mind working. Right. And I yeah, so I got to the point where I'm I'm doing these shows. Everything's going great. I'm I'm living on on comedy, and right. I'm running these shows out of this Irish pub in San Francisco. Like so, that's it. not that same place, but there there's this one. There's a place called Ireland's Thirty Two. It's like this old IRA bar. Right. And I was doing shows out of there, and then I was there so much, just like bringing all these comedians <laughs> in, and basically I built I turned it into like the unofficial comedian hangout. So basically, at the end of every night. They would all come here, and I like knew the bartenders. We'd play pool, and I just have 15, 20 comedians in this like old oh, Irish pub, awesome, and just man. till four in the morning, telling stories, jerk, like just joking around, and then and, and it was a great community. And then COVID happened, and San Francisco, if you haven't heard, a uh, little woke, <laughs> so everything shut. So there were no shows, there were no mics. Like since then. The community, like they've done some stuff, like they're creating some outdoor shows right. and stuff. But right at the beginning, like that precipice, gone. Right. So I had, I had this place at Baker Beach. I told you about earlier, like nice right. place. But all three of my female roommates fled. 
they heard about COVID. They're like, I'm going to go see my family and kiss my grandmother and stuff like that. And so they all left. So I just had this big place to myself. So for the first, when did it happen? March? Yeah. So from March to June, I just had that big place to myself. And so every day, I, I'd just be in my living room and comedians would just come over to my house. And like I'd be sitting on the couch and I'd just see like a case of White Claw or something just hover from the window, like an offering. <laughs> I'd like to come in. We do, you know, podcasts in there, like jump around, but it's still, it's not the same. When you yeah. get that, like being able to actually perform and build material, and when you get into a system to where you're writing really consistently and you're going up every night, multiple yeah, times. Yeah. Night, and now, like, at this point, obviously, you know, almost four years in, and I'm like, I now I have like a good 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes that I've just been writing during quarantine. And I'm like, this needs to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like a lot of those things were contests. Like these need to go out and I can't just sit on them. And I, and it's, especially since I don't like use social media and that in that function or having right. at the time, it made sense to make the move down to Los Angeles. So that's awesome, man. The, the, the underground scene here is really, something else and again just like with sports and just like this the real trend is i got lucky yeah i i got here to la and just basically basically i said oh i'm going to la like and and then in a week just decided packed my shit up found a place on facebook like just uh an impossibly good thing like eight impossibly good for california i don't know where a lot of your viewers are but eight eight hundred a month for a place in west hollywood is insane that's insane 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 so I just said, all right, I'm doing it. I'm going. And then I moved there. And then there's a place that does a very undercover open mic every mm-hmm. night of the week. So there's somewhere I can go just to get ideas out. Right. And then my first week there, just some comedians I knew in the community invited me to a, a 4th of July party that was just all established comedians in Los Angeles. That's and it was just awesome. Like comic, people that have been doing it for a while, people that were hooked in with the community and don't not going in with any like hey man like I was wondering if like just being a comic just hanging out having fun goofing off I met amazing people and then the the different levels that you're talking about like what it feels like to be on stage is very different yeah. at each section like being on stage when you're an open micer is hell I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's hell like there's but when you have comic friends that you dig and it's like when the whole place is just your buddies there's nights where it is incredible because you're just making each other laugh yeah man yeah and it's there there's a different level of community there but those jokes aren't gonna fly no because those jokes we have to go so extreme to, like, that, to make yeah i've like, heard that i've heard that okay like a lot of these guys they'll go and they'll book a show and their first 10 jokes are all just about what raping babies during the Holocaust or something. Yeah. Something <laughs> really absurd, wild, like this, something that would make even a comedian go, Oh, fuck. I, for, I think I forget the name of the comedian, man, but I was listening to an interview and he's like, you, you know, you'll get, you get a lot of comics. Um, after, I don't think it's, I think, I think he may have been talking about um, Ari um, at the beginning of his career. He was like, Arya Arshafir was the type of comic he wrote. He wrote the t- he wrote jokes for comics at the beginning, yeah. and and w- but when you listen to his early material, completely evident he he was a lot of his stuff was like it, it's a little over the top, a little 
Yeah. And I mean, but uh, I think he spoke on how Ari was one of those that he wrote a lot of his material for comics. He's like, and it's it's a it's a very slippery slope when you write material to make comedians laugh because, right. because you it's know hard it's hard to make. It's, it's like it's, it's like if you like a real comic compliment, like like open mic nights when it's all comics in the crowd. I do a really weird thing, and I can't help it. And it sounds sarcastic, but I swear to God, it's not. I'll go. Ha. That's it. Like <laughs> I just like I'm all day like I obviously it will get tickled and stuff and I will be like crying laughing but if something's just like a clever it's it's my ear I'll just go yeah. and it sounds it sounds mean and it's not and I swear to God it's not or but like a lot of times the best compliment you can get from a comedian if you're just like telling a funny story that that'll just go funny or just like that's funny yeah it's like a high level like I've had some really big comedians like we're just hanging around fucking around a room that's go that now that's funny I'm like. Oh yeah, so I but doing like those that has its own kind of feeling those open mic shows and then when you start having material like you have like you know 20-30 minutes of material you can start doing shows Mm -hmm. and those like if you have what you think is 20 minutes that means you have time like like for the most like people when they're first starting out like you'll hear comments like oh I have an hour I'm like you don't you have five minutes because the crowd is both easier and insane and insanely more complicated at the same time. Yeah. So they're coming in already expecting to laugh. Comedians are expecting you to suck. Because <laughs> they're just in their head. They're just like, oh, yeah. suck. Like, even if they come into it with the right mindset, like they'll hear a premise and then their brain will just make a punchline. And then they hear yours and you're like, ah. <laughs> but then when you have an audience of people who are not comedians and don't expect to be, and they just want to be, they want to be entertained the jokes that you didn't think were there probably still aren't but they work and you can read that off of an audience and it gives you time so like when you're on stage as an open micer you're just everything just word vomit but then when you get in front of people and you aren't used to waiting for laughter to die down and then figuring out how you can connect those ideas yeah. in the same kind of linear pattern, it's a different kind of animal. So it's also, it's easier, but also much more complicated. Right. So it's easier in that jokes work easier. People who came in to pay to like see a club that they want to, if you can connect with them as people and you can get them bought in, like there oh, you yeah. go. But the timing of figuring out how like you're, like you can't go in with a set and just going, I'm telling these jokes in this order. It's like, no. So it's like, I like for all of my things to kind of be able to connect to each other. Yeah, you got to stream this In this nebulous way, so that at any point I can pull from any of these different areas. Oh, and man. It, and it's a weird way to think, like, I have, like, these, like, this whiteboard here. Yeah. Just main ballpark ideas. I always keep this guy in my pocket, and then my phone does other stuff. So it's yeah. like, it's... Uh, there's like 20 pages or 20 like just 20 seconds of just scrolling on that and then these and then that and then things will disseminate from the phone to where they get written and then they get bullet pointed they may, here. yeah they make it to the and big board this is, this is the set for that week yeah or whatever 
and then you circumvent them out. So I got lucky because when I first moved here to LA, I still had a spot. If there weren't any shows that night and I couldn't book anything, I can go get the ideas out and I can just put them somewhere. And then recording, I put my phone in my pocket for each set and I hit record because I have like, I have a really auditory memory. So like yep. growing up, any movie, like it's like impression something like that. If I've heard it once, it's usually there. Yeah. And I can mimic it. Uh, so I like, I just write ideas down in here. Sometimes I'll write them verbatim if I know that that's what works with a crowd. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, while I'm working out a bit, it'll all be, I work, I get the ideas and I work it out on stage just as a conversation with the audience. And then when I'm on my way to the next show or the next micro, or I'm going home, I'll listen to it and then I'll correct it. Like, you're like, would this work there? That worked there. Yeah. This one didn't. And then try that out the next night. So it's a mixture of both like writing on stage and writing at home. But when I got here to LA, I had a place where I could do that. Yeah. Because I linked in with these really great comics early on and it's the pandemic and people who sucked are gone already. Right. And it's people who don't have skin in the game are gone already. It's that if you're in the scene now and you are actively like doing the underground thing and finding shows, just that like I'm doing stuff with people like the Beverly Hills, like their houses, there's there's options. Right. If you're bought in like that, older comedians tell you that respect you, I think, faster. So I got lucky to just kind of get rocket shipped. I love I love how you keep saying you got I'm lucky, I give lucky. All I'm hearing is you're putting in the time, you're putting in the work, you've been putting in the time and the work and the effort. Brother, that's not luck, man. I mean, there's a little luck here and there, but I, I'm, I, I'm a firm believer in the work, the grind, the respect you put out to the universe, it's going to be repaid to you tenfold. And I just feel like the work that you're putting in, you continue to put in, the respect that you have for the game, um, you're treating it like, you know, you're treating it like, you know, uh, uh, an artist would treat, you know, any any piece of fine art. You respect yeah. it. You know what I mean? It's, you know, so while it's 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 awesome for me to hear like, oh, I, you know, I got lucky here. I'm like, brother, that is not luck. I'm listening to all the 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 dotted eyes and the cross T's and and I'm hearing, you know, we're not talking about months. We're talking about years now that you have in the game. You know what I mean? And you're continuing to, to, to grind and grind and grind. And it, and you know, it's again, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, luck, luck, but I'm, I'm also hearing this. It's, dude a, it's, a, it's a mixed, it's a mixture though. So it's a mixture of putting in the work and respecting it, but also not taking yourself too serious. A absolutely. Like, because that's, absolutely. that's like the kiss of death. So like, yeah. like, and I've always been lucky in that I got to be around people who were the top in their yeah. area. So now that I'm here in LA, it's like, and I'm hanging with these communities that I've just been watching on TV and yeah. it's forever. It is surreal, but if you can just be you and you can not put any expectations on anybody and not expect like people when you see somebody and say, oh, they're going to do something for my career, like this beneficial, like this friendship will use, like fuck all that. Yeah just shower love on people and and be like and you like i don't know did jeff die i've been doing i i opened for jeff at the at the mandalay bay in vegas last month and right. it was like it was the house of blues was the biggest 
rooms I've done. Right. And it's and when it's one of those like rubber to road moments, like yeah. where it's I've done these shows where I'll do like 10, 20 minutes and like mostly for shows like 20 minutes and then, you know, middle, like so there's your opener, your opener gets, you know, five or so minutes. Uh, your middle act or you know, opener gets five to 15, middle act gets 15 to 20, yeah. 25. And then the headliner who's like a veteran and has been doing it for like 15 years, they get a long set. And feeling those different rooms to i was doing the mic stuff and doing show stuff all around san francisco shows that just people put on and then doing some clubs in atlanta to then now like jeff who's an amazing dude we just clicked immediately dude just loves comics and i i was hosting this show out at el cid with just this psychopath booker and (laughs) she's a a mess from head to toe just was just like trying to make out with the comics like not paying people like oh yeah it's just weird circumstance right like a guy that i had done a lot of stuff with in san francisco xander beltran really funny guy yeah Uh, i had let him crash on my couch like a couple weeks before because when covid happened he just said fuck it i am subletting my apartment and i'm living on the road and he's just traveling between New York and Massachusetts and like Arizona and just doing comedy just out of hotel rooms and crashing on people's couches. That's what's up, man. So I let him crash. And then he's back in town and says, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm hosting this show. And then he's like, Can I bring Jeff Dye? And Jeff Dye, an amazing, like late night regular, Conan yeah. regular dude was like, Last comic standing. Yeah. So like the dude's a, in 15 years, the guy is. Legit. He's a real deal, as yeah. As it can get. It's like, can he come through? So he brings him to my show. I get him a guest spot, get Xander one, and then we just click. We just start hanging out. And that's the best thing about comedians is it doesn't really matter uh, what level anyone's at. If you're a comic, comics get you. And if yeah, you're like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, not, you're not one of those comics, like you're on all the time, and you can just be a person, like, it works out. I think... And- I think a, a lot of, of, of what you're saying, um, it, it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, but I think you're one of the, of, 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 I mean, I, I've interviewed a lot of people, man, but I, I think a, a huge thing, a huge quality that you have is, is, you know, I mean, you've had a lot of success, I mean, in, on so many different platforms and so many different areas. Um, but throughout it all, I think one of the biggest things, at least, you know, from the time I've I've had a chance to to get to know you and, and and have sit downs and just kick it with you and just listen to you just crack jokes and shit has been. You have mastered the art of being yourself no matter the situation, um, and that's a that's a quality that, while it should be considered a skill, I, I see it as as a quality that not a lot of people have, um, because based off of whatever the situation is, the people in the room, you know, the, you know, the finance, whatever it is, a lot of people tend to lose themselves, you know, based on the, the stimulus, whatever. So that's, yeah. So it, I owe all that to stoicism. So, <laughs> yeah. Really? So yeah. This, this is, it lives by my bed. Like, so I have a religious family and I am a Christian. So I, yeah. will, I will hit the good word, but my other is uh letters from a stoic seneca yeah and that's what's all up, of his 
talks and teachings. It's cool. Like Seneca's dope because he was basically like Elon Musk, but in Rome. So he's like, he was advisor to the kings. I like, understood everything was, you know, he was the man. But right. the thing about Stoicism was that they had to speak in the common tongue. So like all of his stuff, like these very complex ideas, they're written like you could exchange the name Achilles or whatever for Bob and it makes sense for 2021. And all of his talk is about that it's like, and it, it just became something that just kind of settled in my head is not being reactive. Mm -hmm. So like one of the, I've taken a fair amount of psychedelics now. I was in San Francisco for three years. I mean, I, <laughs> and I, had, that a, a requirement? I had a really, yeah, I had a really stupid thought that stuck with me. And it is really involved, it's really changed and altered the way that I perceive the world around me and the way that I interact with people, especially. Uh, is like someone said to me, it was, it's like, don't, like the golden rule is treat others as you want to be treated, right? Right. So if that's the case, then the platinum rule really is treat others as if it is you living a different life. Mm. And that resonated and hit it home. Like I'm a big nerd too so i like you play video games you play a lot of video games of course come on now okay so i'm like i'm i'm the, i'm an rpg guy only okay. i don't play shooters i don't like i was competitive for so long and through all these different avenues when i got home and i wanted to play video games i didn't want people calling me you know the app like bag yeah. or whatever just like i didn't need it i didn't need right. it and it's like and I, so i wanted to just isolate and put myself in some weird world a different world and yeah nerd out, and just nerd out on alchemy and like <laughs> any kind of right. thing so i love those but what i noticed was if you nerd out on anything long enough you're going to look on the online forums it's just something that happens right and for player versus player games like Call of Duty, all that stuff. If you look on the online forums, it's mostly shit talk. Absolutely. It's most of people say, like, you don't understand. Like, it's done this way. Fuck you. Like, it's yeah. done that. And if you look at the online forums for RPG player games, so it's only one player. You're the only one there. Only one there. It's all love. Yeah, man. 100% of the information is actually information. Right. It's like, hey, man, I was there. I almost missed it. That chest, it's like three miles over, and it's yeah, dude. And, you <laughs> and it's like, here's some cool shit that you missed out on, and you gotta find it. I'm like, why wouldn't we treat life the same way? So instead of it's not me versus you, it's not me competing for this thing. It's like we're right. all playing the same game from a different starting point, as far as whatever privilege or whatever the fuck. It's like, yeah, you got that right. set, but it's not gonna. But you still have to play the game. So the point. Is it's, it's if I'm gonna live my life, why wouldn't 100% of it be about just sharing the cool shit? Oh yeah. And when I see people that I like at in the past would be argumentative with, and I still argue just because it's fun, and just because I like being a little contrarian and stuff like that. But the <laughs> the, the heart of it is that if you are living, if you're just me living a different life from a different start point. Even if we do disagree about something fundamentally and you can see the argument from their perspective, mm -hmm. you forgive them. Oh, yeah. Because even if you know that it's just somewhere, it's like, oh, they just haven't beaten that level yet. They haven't figured that out about themselves yet. So I'm just going to shower with love and hope that we oh, can yeah. like, figure it out. And it has really 
change the way I don't get offended. I don't care. I don't, it's like, I don't have expectations going into conversations because I get to just enjoy you for who you are. Right. And if we disagree, I'm okay with us disagreeing and it's not going to affect the way that I see you even a little bit. I, I, I dig that. that. Sounds, it sounds preachy, but nah, bro. I dig that. I I, I dig that. I dig that. Dang, man. I'm, I I want to keep this thing going forever, man. I, I need to yeah. shut up. Um. So I, I what I'll do is I'll run you through, uh, because I just want to hear what your thoughts on, um, do a little word association, man. One word word association. What comes to mind? The first okay. thing that comes. <laughs> First word that comes to mind when you hear the name, because you know what? We'll do a comedian version. We'll do, you know, we'll, yeah. Oh, Let let's me... make it fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's that's all right. So, give it a theme. We'll give it a theme. We'll give it a theme. Right. Um, I'm not even gonna do my top. You know what? My buddy he sent me a bunch of these, so I'm. You know what? Give me these. All right. So, oh man, these are some good ones. He did some good ones. All right. First one up, John Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's not it. <laughs> really when you said John Stewart, I just thought Blazer. Because I just remember I don't like to think about John Stewart as he is now. Like I don't yeah. not that I mind him now or like sideshow or anything like that. But yeah. when I think about him, I try to think about him as a comic. And Me all too. the video, all the videos that I've seen of him were in the 80s with these big the, shoulder pads. Yeah, the big shoulder pads, big shoulder dude. Pad and the blazer. So you were like John Stewart, like, blazer, what? Didn't, didn't he, and, he and Ellen De- DeGeneres, those early... Yeah, the... she, had other, she had other reasons for those shoulder pads. <laughs> Obviously. She, did, she, did, she hadn't come out yet, and she was trying to figure out how to tell people that. Yeah. Them, and the shoulder pads were... Like, it worked for Hillary. Like, she looked... Like, oh, I mean, it... Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, dude. He, he went in. All right, here's one. <laughs> wow. I never, uh, I never, never thought about... It never occurred to you that Hillary Clinton's a lesbian? Oh no! Sometimes, maybe. Sometimes, so, maybe. I don't. No, I don't you're really, right. Oh I'm man, sure it's, I'm sure it's a loving relationship between those two murderers. I don't even. <laughs> you know, uh, to be I'm honest sure, with you, I'm I sure never. Hillary, I'm sure they just have some great mission. you know what? Like, when you think about it, yeah, I guess. Because I honestly, yeah. I've always. Yeah. I don't know. She didn't. I, she rode with him sometimes to that Epstein Island. You don't think she was getting a massage? Come on. Oh, I, oh, without a doubt. Well, now, he can't. He can't. He can't talk anymore. There's no. He can't talk anymore. He will, no, no, no. Not be, oh, Billy knows. Billy's gonna go the way of Epstein if he. No, if he, he just says physically. It. He just actually can't talk. Oh no. This has <laughs> uh, 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 been years and years of just dating a reptilian. Oh, I feel. I feel bad for that man. But then again, you know what? <laughs> you, you choose. You choose what it is. Okay, All we're right. gonna go with Johnny Carson. Go. I mean that guy. Uh, the guy, well, so I I resonate him with in a little bit just because I host a lot too. Yeah. So big into presenting, and I love like bringing my friends up and like encouraging and like showing people things. Like I'm just a sharer. So if I like food, I have to get you to try it. If I like a song, I'm gonna text it to you. Like people get annoyed. Like I can't even fully enjoy a video on my phone unless I'm showing it to somebody else. Oh yeah. And I'm it, laughing the experience must it. be shared. Johnny right. freaking Carson. That's, so Johnny dude, that Carson was... was a sharer. Like he brought comics into the forefront and was really the first person to be able to pull someone out of obscurity mm-hmm. and give them an international. And national Johnny Carson made overnight. stars. 
He made a he lot did. of stars. He did, um, and he did it when he didn't have to, and he did mm-hmm. it with edgier people that he didn't have to bring on, and he aired with Mitzi and the Comedy Store and created this system of comics through like yeah. 30 years where they were being crafted here with the right kinds of crowds and then going and doing road work and then right. building up, and then now Carson. He really kind of yeah. developed a farm league, so to speak, you know, through, you know, which is, I don't know, man, Johnny, God, dude. Dude, hey, Jason, shout shout you out, bro. These are this list is wowzer. Here's he another. Did the he job. He he's, did the job yeah. of being personable and funny mm-hmm. and curious and had a taste wow. for good comedy and really shaped the way yeah. that America discovered this art form, which Man. is really what it was. Yeah, he's definitely trailblazer. Here's oh, here's a good one. Joan Rivers. I don't know much about her. Don't dude, she was a I know she's the best. I know. I no, know. It, when I know. you yeah. when you get it, it's you know what? Um it's it's oh, it's weird to say it's been so long ago. When you get a chance, you know, I mean, in you know, in your busy, busy life, if you get a chance, Joan Rivers, she was a chance. I told you, I, I literally ingest everything. So I'm dude, surprised. Joan Rivers was when you Joan Rivers, I was like, I've seen her work and I've done it, but I haven't developed man. full, I haven't developed wow. full opinions. Oh, here's one. Oh man, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's it's goat. Golly, there's some good ones. These, he's, oh, he sent me with some. These are all goats. Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, yeah. So same deal. Rodney was one of these guys that, like, he had um, Rodney Dangerfield, like, with his show and the people that he brought on. He created a lot of careers too, and he was such a quirky. Like it, it came like he found the gap between this like take my wife please like yeah man like that kind of almost it almost feels like vaudeville yes right so it's like the way that he he perceived things but he was also one of the first captains of not give a fuck oh at the end of his career he just lived in a bathrobe and he would just go to all the shows all these things he'd just be in a bath like his dick would pop out it was it would be just Rodney being Rodney and like with Caddyshack and all that, yeah, kind of captured his essence. Like, he was a big baller who just also looked like you know, might he might be Steve Buscemi's dad, yeah. Like, they, you know, I think they were talking about how Rodney Dangerfield, how you know, for a while they were like, he started comedy, uh, I forget what his nine to five was, uh, but he went into comedy, didn't work out for him, so he quit pretty much for like four or five years and then came back, you know, like in his you know, 50s and was yeah. killing it. Um, that, that's, that, that gives me hope. So maybe one of these days I'll, I'll give him a had a couple of, ex- all it takes is a couple of experiences that'll change. Yeah, the man. Kind of um, and then that sticks. Here's one of my favorites. This is actually good. I, Sarah Silverman. I love Sarah. I love Sarah Silverman. She's great. She was, um, she's wow. one of the comedians that even comic, like there's this weird thing. I don't know if it's misogynism. I don't know if it's just. There's this thing that goes around that says women aren't funny. And uh, it's true, but. Uh... <laughs> 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 Sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't. Help it was it. there. It was there. Yeah, yeah, it was I there. But <laughs> Sarah is 
is one of these people like even when you ask like they won't classify her. a lot of times like you'll you mention like a con like a female comedian and then you're like yeah she's funny for a female comic yeah or she's this, but like but no sarah silverman is just a goat like she is just a great comedian and she i hate that it happens but a lot of the times like even up and coming girls and it's just kind of a weird symptom of just the psychos that are male stand-ups they just go like well she's funny for a comic because there's a lot of a lot of girls don't make it past those first two open mic years mm. just because they're smart yeah <laughs> like i told you it's like those first like couple years like when you're starting out like that's hell and you have to be really unhinged to want to go through it oh yeah or the ones who do fall into these categories of like girls who go up on stage and they want to turn it into therapy and it's just like mm. you know you go through they just like say fucked up shit that's happened to them in their life and expect to laugh or it's they you know tell jokes that works in front of some of their girlfriends and it doesn't work yeah but, but women like it's just The human brain is always it's going to work out. It doesn't matter if you're a man. Doesn't matter if you're a woman. People right. are infinitely talented in infinite ways. Right. So the same way that guys can probably get away with some locker humor, like some like just dip jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. And just because other male comedians hang out with them, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that was funny. Oh, yeah, I can see how I get there." Cool. Yeah. But when a girl does that bit, it just becomes like there's like, "Oh, she's just trying too hard." Yeah. And it's and it's a, it's kind of a shitty thing that happens to female comics, but Sarah, Sarah's one of those. She can flip it on anyone. It's a bait. She has this one joke. I can't remember. Oh my god, was what was it? I got raped by a doctor, which is just so bittersweet for a Jewish girl. Like that, like those little like little... liar Mister X, like and, and it's and like it's, if you I'm and if you if you hear. And it's like, you literally, if you know Sarah Silverman, you immediately hear it in her voice. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And like, there's only there's only things that she, you know. I've she heard that I, one joke I, where she's like, I, I went downstairs and I saw my mom leaning over the sink, licking jelly off of a knife. Like, she turned to me at three in the morning and said, you should really try this on a dick. <laughs> like, you're like, and it's, it's stupid like it's so bizarre and it's like i don't know i love it so but it's sarah silverman it's like but yeah. even in like the, every comedian will tell you if a comedian tells you that sarah silverman isn't funny that guy's a hack oh without she's, a doubt she's she's, she's she's she is she is as goat as goat can be in the in the in the comedy game um I mean, for, a, for a girl but like for, yeah. yeah for a girl yeah for sure um yeah. I'll, I'll give you i'll give you two more and 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 we'll go off this because he literally made it's like it's cool. like 30, you get a screenshot for the thumbnail. Use this one. I look yacked right now for some reason. I don't know why. I'm... I done and done. Done no, and done. No, it's actually it's probably just the whiskey. I got the lean out. And I'm like, all right, yeah. Look, I'm I'm in here. I'm in it. Um, George Carlin. Interesting. So, I like. Carlin. There's no no arguments that he's the best, but he did accidentally do something that's fucking a lot of people up. Uh, he is so good like he was one of these first guys that kind of mixed a ted talk and a comedy show mm -hmm. uh yeah like that like you know the dirty words bit, like all this stuff like he was definitely a pioneer but he was so prolific like he would put out a comedy special every year 
just because that's how his brain worked. But right. since he was one of the first comedians that was picked up by Showtime and stuff like that, it's so like before that, the only way to come to success was, you know, Harlan. So you'd like, you go up or mm-hmm. you'd be on the Tonight Show or something like that. And you'd, you know, you'd get booked stuff and you could work uh, in right. clubs throughout the, the world or throughout in the US at least. Right. And then when HBO happened and, and stuff started going out and Carlin was right there at the precipice, he put out a special every year and it was so good for like six years. And then obviously like he just got older, like, and, and there were still great bits right. in his later specials, but that's an impossible metric to hit for a lot of comedians. And mm-hmm. here's why. So a lot of times like a comedian will work hard and they'll work hard for like 10 years and they'll finally get their special. That first hour special for a lot of comics is the best of their whole life. It's 10 years of work mm-hmm. put into one hour. So like crowd work, all these skills and stuff like yeah. that and writing and they're putting the best of the best shit in there. And that first hour is a killer. And then they get a deal and then it's like, oh, now you're famous and now you have all this money and you can do whatever you want. And then they go, okay, we need another one in 12 months. Oh. (laughs) So not only are you now having to write, but now bad shit isn't happening to you. No. You're not going through the same stuff. Yeah. Now you have things. And now it's like a lot of things they'll try to get away with old shit or they'll get away with like that first 15 kind of 10 minute window that you get yeah. if you're already famous at a club like famous people get five minutes you right. get five minutes and then you really have to be funny or they'll right. turn on you so it's the the big stumbling block for a lot of people is they'll get that first special and then a lot of the times i like to think not that i like to think but i just think that because of carlin there is this expectation that you should be able to churn out like you should be able to churn out an hour a year and an hour of comedy like i've been doing comedy for four years and if i put all of my best shit together i'd probably have about an hour and 45 minutes Jeez. and but that's because you're still figuring out things about how to make it work and there's a lot of jokes that got abandoned a lot of jokes that got forgotten but it's you know, an hour and 45. And to expect that out of somebody every year changes the way that you perceive it. So unless you're just prolific or unless you're just right. And, but it it, it is possible. Yeah. Well, the comics that do it, like, like, you know, Louis C.K. does that. But at the same time, a lot of these guys, I mean, they're older. They've lived a long life up to this point. Therefore, you have quite a bit of life experience, quite a bit of material that yeah. can be acquired from those life experiences. But you'll you see a, a guy young comic, you see a young comic get thrown in with a killer special and then a year later you're like, oh, he's hacked now. I'm like, yeah. no, he just ran out of he shit just ran out. About. He hasn't lived life. Like, come back to him in another 10 years. Yeah, he's, he's going to have some fire for you. Calm down. To be fair, Pete Davidson sucks. But... Oh, <laughs> I... That was... The, oh. I'm like, I get it's, it. He's cute. He's not a comic. That dude is not I'm funny. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. You know what? No, no, you're not. You're you're spot on. If he's capable of doing, I'm not one to say. If I've never seen him live, if he is capable of engaging and holding an audience for an hour, he's done his job, in my opinion. But 
for that dude lost seen, me. He lost I me after like, ten minutes with his special. It's a lot of ums and a lot of like, uh, like you gotta like, go, man. Like I, I was not. He got he got ten minutes out of me. I was like, I gotta turn this off. Yeah. I'll come back for the, the the rest of it. At the very, give him thirty minutes. Yeah, an opener. Like, He's an opener. Just, you know, we get it. Your dad died. At the, <laughs> at the beginning, like at the very best, I'll give Pete, Pete Davidson's a good opener for somebody great. But I it, giving him his own comedy special. Get out of here, guy. You, you're, well, you're it's like it, well, a lot of times people are like, everybody has a special now. But all right, so that's. Oh, yeah, what's that? Do we have we have another name? Well, last name, last name. I'm um I'm skipping him, skipping him, skipping. Okay, I, I will go with this one because oh man, I could I really over the last five years I've really come to again. This is I'm adding this guy to the list because I've actually come to really appreciate this guy. Bill Burr. Oh yeah. I I mean you have your you mean you know I you know I, I think Chappelle's great. I, I don't you know I mean but I mean that's you know I, I think Chris Rock's great. I think Kevin Hart I think he's 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 all right. I I mean I think Seinfeld is you know I think I like obviously I like Seinfeld better as a stand up comedian as than I did you know as a sitcom actor. But Bill Burr has been crushing it in my brain here lately, um, yeah. in lately five years. Um, I, I don't even, I don't know, understand how I, I've listened to this guy over and over and over, and I just I never gave him the credit that I guess I'm giving him now. And maybe because I just, I just went on this Bill Burr crushing heckler spree, just watching him crush hecklers. That and Philadelphia video is epic. Oh man, and and it really. It really makes me Epic. appreciate the the. Because I've bombed before, and when you bomb in front of crowds, and you can make that crowd laugh about how hard you're roasting them, like when someone in a crowd really sucks, and I've only had this a few times. Like the crowd, it's like what is two thirty in the morning, half yeah. a blow, like they want attention. Right. It doesn't matter if you're on stage or if you're doing well; they want spotlight. Yes. So it becomes a heckling thing. And if you can turn that and turn and just roast them so hard that they never want to speak in public again. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things to like, oh, please heckle me at a show. I'm kidding. Don't do it. It's very unprofessional. <laughs> but, but if, if you happen you do, to, I am prepared. Like it, it, it's not even that it's a prepackaged statement or anything like that. This from years of sports teams and hanging around people, I'm ready to dismantle you. <laughs> and I'll apologize after and I'll get you a drink. But when I'm on that stage and I'm doing my time, if you mm-hmm. interrupt, I will light a fire on you. Listen, at I that point, I'll help you put it out and then I'll pour napalm on it. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like at that point, you've made you it, the they, they've literally made it their mission to become part of the show. No one came to watch you. So oh, now I'll that do it like this, I'll go, okay, you got your idea. The attention is now on you. Is this what you wanted? And then I just dump, just <laughs> fill and just break them apart. It's the it's it's one of the most infuriating and cathartic experiences that you could ever <laughs> figure, because you know that it's bad and you're not supposed to treat people like this all the stuff i was saying you're like treat others as if it's you if you could ever life and in the meantime i'm just dumping just <laughs> unless garbage. they heckle you 
And well, oh. but then I'll still apologize to him after oh, yeah. like, because my job then is to get them back into the show. <laughs> so I need to make an example of you in a very biblical way. <laughs> but in a way that is going to be like, oh, who never try that again. I can now get back into it. And like, and and they are still in my kind of wavelength. Right. I can go into my material. I can have fun. And, it, and, and it's a necessary thing. And it's not good to do. And I love doing it. This is oh my gosh! Yeah. This is why I have to have you on the podcast right here. Um, all right, and my last my last thing for you, man. I mean, it's it's super general, dude. Um, your Mount Rushmore. Thing? I'm not prepared. What, what am I? No, doing? no, we, no. We'll we'll do the Mount Rushmore. We won't even my worry Mount about the Ru- song. What is my my Mount Rushmore? Who, yeah, who is on your Mount Rushmore? And it doesn't have to be it has to be comedy. Doesn't have to be sports. It's just who would be on oh, your my personal, Mount Rushmore. Who my would be on your Mount personal Rushmore? Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Dylan Moran. He's a he's an Irish stand-up comedian. He's mm-hmm. a lesser known, but for horrible like this, uh, people people don't know about him. But he's one of the best comedy writers I've ever seen. Uh, the way that he connects with an audience, the way that he uh, conveys emotion. Uh, this is just people who have impacted me personally. All of these people obviously have uh, flaws. Uh, Seneca is on there. Um, Dylan Moran, Seneca. This is a weird rush one. Uh, there's two more. So there's four on Rushmore, right? Right. So I'm hitting you with the, I had to hit you with the hard one. Everyone yeah. thinks they have. A, everyone has a rush more until they realize, like, oh, wait a minute. Well, it's, it's for different only... reasons. So I'm deciding yeah. whether or not I want to pull from different aspects of my life. Uh, I think you know, uh, Caesar Gracie's an interesting guy. I, I think like Elio Gracie probably. Elio Gracie. Elio Gracie. Elio H E L I O. The way that he perceived the world, uh, and also like with kindness, and the way that he developed. Uh, this this craft of of jujitsu, uh, it, it's interesting because it's like his ego is non-existent, and he right. seeded this you know internationally renowned thing, and actually understood both movement and the body and tension and all of these things. It's incredible. Uh, and then I think probably Dane Cook. <laughs> Uh, all right, whatever. I'll put one on for the hipsters. Uh, Kerouac, Kerouac, and and, and, yeah, because so, like, that, that, like, on the road, it's used in a lot of tropes. I'll do a oh, you think it's cool because you listen to Kerouac, but like, he's a lot like me in that he was a road dog and he just found himself himself in all of these bizarre situations Mm -hmm. with people. Like, well, all that book is, is him uh, living life and finding these people out on the extremities, out mm-hmm. on these borders and, and weird subsects of life and then drawing uh, essence from them and figuring out how they see and perceive the world and then viewing your world differently after. So he was, he was one of those 
those first people that I realized that like on the road was a gruff example of how journalism really should be. Oh, man. So I love that and I respect that. That's what's up, man. I dude, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time man, just to sit and chit chat with me. You know, I know you got I know you got pressing biz and everything going on later on tonight. And tonight I'm going to a, a weird house in the Hollywood Hills where they're eat, we're eating sushi and telling jokes. That's so it's like it's just a bunch of it's weird. LA people are weird though. They're gonna a lot of them are gonna be they're gonna be all fucked up in place. <laughs> Why well, maybe everything you plastic ate. surgery. Everything know, hey, everything you say is gonna hit. So you know what I mean? So I have this stupid joke I'm working that I'll probably do tonight. It's like I talk about like girls and how if, if a girl shows up at a party and they're wearing the same outfit, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like I've seen that happen with girls before, you know. Oh yeah. Like, Without it out. Well, she's wearing the same thing. I saw it, a really extreme example of it here. It's the only time I saw it. And I saw these two women and they accidentally bought the same they walked past each other mm -hmm. and they realized that they had accidentally both bought the same uh, face. <laughs> and and it, yeah, it was tough. Dude, I saw you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt someone's feelings, dude, at this party. <laughs> I'm telling oh, you that right. Really well. That's going to hurt. <laughs> it's who they are. Like when I was doing video production work in San Francisco, like someone offered me like for about three months, uh, I was doing these like, just for extra money, like part-time gigs where I was doing video editing for a, like a nail, like a, a one of those spas where they do all the Botox and shit. Yeah. It's so weird. It's such oh. a weird world. Like, look, oh my God. It's literally oh, a, ne it's a neurotoxin and the word toxin yeah. is in it. I, here's the thing. I wish you could record that moment because there's going to be at least two ladies in that room. They're going to look Identical. If I do a show, it's always I'll record them now. Oh my god! So I'm building up material. Like like right now, I told you it's like I'm not big on posting my actual yes. stuff anywhere. That's gonna be a moment. I want to have I want to have a point where it's like when uh, I guess my first special hits or something like that. Then I want to have this enormous back catalog of of shit. So like right exactly, now, yeah. You, if you follow my Instagram, it'll be, you know, some funny stuff. Just my stories through the day are funny, I guess. Like me doing like comic shit. Right. As far as like see my material, you got to you got to see me live. Or uh, once that uh, once I get that that full hour deal, I'm just going to start dumping stuff. So I just have years and years of this stuff back catalog. But I'm I am such a needy little bitch. About ah, dude, wanting like, everything to be right. Listen, you know what you want. And I mean. I feel like at this point, I mean, why not? You put in the work, you put in the time. You know what I mean? It's like, fun now. So now I'm opening for big guys, and it's like I'm, I'm doing shows with people that I've only ever seen on on TV and stuff, I, people I've been following forever, and it's it's surreal. Right. But at the same time, I know that if I'm funny in the room and I do my job, it's going to work out. So oh, yeah, without I, a doubt. I'm do this stuff is... coming out. So I have a new show, yeah, for your people. Uh, I just partnered with this bong company. They make glassware. Hey, let's go. Yeah, it's called Renegade Glass, and I'm doing a weekly show with them called The Renegades of the Week, where I bring on a guest, and then we smoke weed, and then I try to talk to them, like teach them history. <laughs> that, 
Listen, it's man. Tough, it's like, so I'll bring on like a, a famous person. Like I, I had Noman Hosky, a very successful French comedian on last right. week. This week I had a, a right. world-renowned magician. And we smoke weed. I try to teach him about history. And then we hang out and talk out. So it's called Renegades of the Week. That's really one of the, the only things I'm doing now to put out any kind of comedy-related right. stuff. Um, obviously, if you live in the Los Angeles area, I post stuff on Instagram about my mm. shows. A lot of times because of COVID right now, they are private functions and they do have a an invitation cap. So I can only bring 60 people at the same time. So if you uh, see one of my show postings on Instagram, hit me up. I'll send you a ticket link. For uh, sure. I'll make sure that hard, I get right? it's hard information right now. up. Oh, yeah. I'll make sure that I get all your information up so people can check you out, man. I Like I said, brother, I am forever in your debt for this, man. I hopefully... You know, you, you don't get too big to where I can't bring you back. And, and I'll always and, come back to hang out with you, man. Yeah, get some updates on 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 the big shows, man. I, you know, just, you know, save me a ticket in the arena. Uh, so I was like, I know this guy, sir, but you got to you got to get away from the stage. No, but I know him. No, but you need to back away from the stage. But but I know, you know what? Don't worry about it. But yeah, man, you. Nathan, I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Um, hope you have a, a, a great weekend. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to to to. Uh, let me just, you know, grill you on the finer, the finer like, arts. I mean, of, of, it's about to become so unsexy. Like, you're like, he's about to go do that. I'm about to just go do laundry so I have people clothes for tonight because it's all <laughs> athletic shit. That's like, all I, I wear, man. I got, I have well, that's the problem. Athletic. Like, I'm doing the, yeah, I'm doing these fucking shows, and people are like, you why are you wear like, I'm just wearing like a rogue fitness shirt and shit. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not expecting like people bring in these things, and I'm just wearing the shit I normally wear. Like, right, that's not right. I'm wearing like. Yeah, powerlifting gear. Like I'm wearing like Mark Bell stuff. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. You know what I mean? Like it's just what I have. I just have this huge collection of just t-shirts. Like, did you did you did you come for the decor? Did you come for the comedy? Which one? Absolutely. So man, but I appreciate you, brother. If you need anything from me, you know where I'm at. I appreciate you yet again. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man, the myth, the legend, Nathan Lowe. I appreciate you, brother. Have a great day, bro. You too, man. Hey, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Mainly subscribe, and then share it. Got it? Peace. What's up, people? LS here. I'm sitting thinking to myself, there's some people out there that want to get stronger. They want to work on their swag. They just want to feel better. I have that solution. <laughs> I'm messing Listen, you can go to lsmcclain.com, my website, and you can get programming if you want to get stronger. You can go to my store and get swag. So you can get both of those things. Your self-esteem is going to go through the roof. All you got to do is go to lsmcclain.com. It literally has everything you need. I mean, I think I might even have a link to some dating websites. I'm not sure. I might be able to help you find the love of your life. Either way, go to lsmcclain.com. What is that? You know what? lsmcclain.com. Go there. Lay you. Peace.